Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Uh, You know, I started this show. It's coming up on five years and 500 episodes. It's crazy. This is episode 476. And it's, it it blows my mind that it keeps going. And it's funny because the show will grow and then it'll stay the same and then it'll grow. Recently, we've gone through some really interesting growth because of, we just had great guests on. Uh, If you're a regular listener, you know that starting in 2019, I switched it up a little bit. I went from uh, two interviews a week to usually one interview a week where I do uh, Thursdays, I release an interview. Mondays, it's usually just me sitting there pontificating and talking. Although today, uh, this is the Monday or Tuesday show, I guess. And uh, I'm actually bringing on the person who gave me the idea of doing one interview and one episode with me uh, as my guest today. So this week's uh, Tuesday show is going to be uh, along with a guest because he's a guest that I'm bringing back to the show. Uh, This is Justin Shank, and he's somebody I met at the New Media Summit about a year and a half ago, and maybe two years ago, and he is someone who has really impressed me because he really went from like this young guy who had a podcast, who kind of wanted to do more in the world, to now he is out there doing more in the world. This guy is shaking things up. He put on a live event this year and sold it out. People flew to the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. He didn't do this event like in San Diego where it's like, oh, cool, let's go to the beach. He did this in like Redding, Pennsylvania. And uh, everybody who went, I was supposed to be there. It was going to be awesome. I was going to be kind of one of his like featured people. It was so cool. And then my daughter was coming to visit Austin those same days. And I don't get to see her very often. And so sadly, she took precedence. But uh, I want to welcome Justin Shank back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Tom, man, thank you so much. This is uh, an honor to be back a second time. And those things that you just said were were super kind. And you said <laughs> I was a young man when we met. I'm old now. It's official. Yeah. Boy, that, that uh, <laughs> year and a half or two years has aged you like you can't believe. So entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> that that's exactly right. But you know, a little bit of background. So when I first met you, you had a podcast. We were both sort of faculty members at this new media summit. And you had uh, the first year of your podcast, you had a co-host and you guys were just kind of doing it. You called the show The Growth Now Movement, and it's all about how people grow and all this. But when I first met you, you were making a shift. Your partner wasn't as available to do the show and you wanted to keep going. So you decided I'm just going to do this myself. And you had kind of a passion for podcasting, but you had this other job and relatively quickly after we met, all of a sudden you'd quit that job. You were a podcast producer and your podcast went from like, eh, like a lot of them, just a podcast to like amazing numbers and this following of people who hang on your every word. So I want to talk a little bit about sort of how that change took place, but then I want to go forward a little bit and talk about the shifts that you're making now, because you're thinking two and three steps ahead which everybody I interview on this show who has kicked butt and taken names, they always are looking two and three steps ahead. And I I see you doing that sort of in this acorn stage. And I think, wow, watch out. Justin's going to go somewhere. So why don't you fill in the blanks to what I just said? Yeah. um, So first to go back, I mean, the big shift started again, asking my co-host to take a step back. And I realized that when I 
took it on as a solo project and it became more focused and there was like an actual end goal to the conversations and there was passion behind the conversation versus just being there and my co-host being there and him saying one thing and me saying another and it was all this whole kind of messed up thing. Uh, when it finally fell into line, my audience started to grow organically and I didn't really know what to do with that or where to go with that. Um, and I thought at first, oh, I'll just grow the show, I'll sell advertising, and that'll be it. I'll make money just being a podcaster and having these conversations. And I realized quickly um, that that's really, really hard to do, to get it, to the numbers. It really is rare. I mean, some people think, yeah. oh, you start a podcast and you start making all this money. And yet, I think if we look at the numbers, it's like less than a percent of people are really making legit money off of any sort of advertising revenue. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, you have to get to, to really insane numbers for it to be like, okay, here's my living, right? Versus, okay, maybe, so, and there's been times where I've had some sponsors on the show and I've made some extra bucks and it just never felt right or sat right with me and nor was it paying, you know, my rent or my car payment or anything like that. So, you know, for the approach was like, okay, let me kind of wipe that away. What can I build around what I'm doing? And I realized as my show started to grow, people would ask me, hey, how are you growing your show? How are you growing your audience? And so I started to charge people. And it was a very common conversation of like, at first it was a free conversation and then they offered to pay me and then that kept building. And now I charge way more than I ever thought that I could charge for an hour long conversation with me. Um, but people keep showing up and, you know, the, 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 the growth of my show in general has been just following my purpose and my passion and being true to my word. Um, and then some lucky kind of things falling in my place. So obviously the ink article, which you were also on, um, forex my audience overnight and that just continued to grow after that. Um, but then beyond that, showing up on stages afterwards, and then all of a sudden the audience members are listening and then showing up on other shows and those people are listening. Um, and so it's been a, a, a constant progression and a daily growth opportunity to say, okay, what can I do now to add one more listener or one more person that might say, Hey, I'm into this whole growth thing. I know it doesn't matter where I come from. It matters to the choices I'm making today. And they kind of fall in line with the messaging. Um, and so the first part of that growth was starting to understand and be open to the ideas that are happening around me. Like the universe was showing me just in, you're not going to sell a bunch of advertising on your show, but people are willing to pay you for this. And so I leaned into that. And so on the, from the business side, started it as coaching. And then they're like, well, I don't know how to do the back end stuff. I don't want to do the back end stuff. I'll pay you to do it. And I was like, okay. Um, and then that kind of started to take off. And so that has become my 100% source of income for a really long time until my speaking started to take off and now I'm getting paid to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a natural, slow progression um, that seems quick, but it really wasn't because there was a lot of moves before the, the whole entire thing started to take place. Well, you know, I think it might have been a week ago, maybe two, I had an episode where I talked about mixing business with pleasure because I've started to do that with my stand-up comedy stuff that I've been doing. And, and we did an interview that'll come out in a few weeks uh, for your podcast earlier today where, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, not everybody says at 51 years old, hey, I'm going to take up stand-up comedy and, and what does that really mean? But I've, I've enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. And I've looked for ways. Now, how do I take that into my career? And part of it is it makes me a better speaker and a better master of ceremonies. But also I'm starting to work with this rough cut comedy company kind of as their VP of, of corporate events, because there's a need for people to help place uh, clean stand up comics into uh, corporate events, but then also 
uh, using comedy as a perfect metaphor for how to be better at business because I've learned so much from that. And so working with these young guys, these young entrepreneurs who have this comedy organization, it's really sort of mixed business with pleasure. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to, you know, turn this into legit work or not, but it's sure a lot of fun. And that's one of the things that I'm teaching people is find something you really like and figure out how can I make that part of my business. And you're one of the examples I use when I go into companies and I talk, I talk about, I use you and I use my brother. I have a brother who is a saxophone repairman. Yes, that is actually a career for those of you who are listening. And he uh, wanted to be a jazz musician and he taught himself to play the sax saxophone and he was playing in New Orleans and then San Francisco and then he moved to New York and he was driving a cab in order to pay his rent and he wasn't making it as a musician but he loved the saxophone and so he started repairing other people's horns and all of a sudden you know that was 30 years ago he's now New York City's premier saxophone repairman and he repairs the horns of, of really famous people so I tell his story how his career came about because he's done it for 30 years and I also tell your story of how all of a sudden People were, you know, you were coaching people how to start their podcasts. And then all of a sudden you were the producer of their shows, taking care of the back end and managing the people who are doing that. That's what we have to do in life, right? I mean, I know you yeah. call your show the Growth Now Movement or Growth, you know, Growth Movement and Growth Now Movement. Growth Now, growth now Movement. That was yeah. the, you were right the first time. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to, I was going <laughs> to fix it. I was going to fix my mistake. But, but, you know, what you've done is you've lived that. You know, I think that your message of what you talk about on your podcast you actually intense, you know, you manifested it and you lived it in your life. But at the same time, you took something you really enjoyed and made it your business. Yeah. And so it's funny because I don't, and here's the, here's the God's honest truth. I do not have a passion for podcast production. Um, it's not something that I wake up every day. I'm like, can't wait to edit some shows. It's not something that excites me, but what I, what excites me is making an impact in people's lives you know, allowing them to realize again, like I said before, that it doesn't matter where you come from. What matters are the, the things you do today to create a better tomorrow for yourself. And, you know, through my podcast alone, I've had a handful of people reach out and say, because of your show, I decided not to kill myself. And so what drives the passion on the production side is I help other people have that same impact in the world. Uh, without me, it's not happening. Without me, the show's not getting to the ears that need to hear it for them to either learn an entrepreneurial side of things or learn, you know, the how to love themselves a little bit more or how to overcome adversity or whatever. Um, and so it's really, I think sometimes a shift in your mind to say, okay, how do I then take what I'm doing now and make it a passion? How do I align it with what I'm doing? So I really only work with entrepreneurs who have a purpose within what they're doing. Um, at first, because I needed the money, I'd take anybody. But now I'm very selective with who I work with. And most of my clients are seven figure earners who uh, are trying to make a deeper impact with their messaging. Um, and that to me goes, okay, this helps me get a, a step closer to impacting millions of lives with this message of, you know, our life isn't over yet. We have an opportunity to make something great. And so for me, yes, I, I found out podcasting was the vehicle. Um, and there's things that I love about being a podcast host, including connecting with amazing people like yourself uh, and all the other speakers that were at my event. But then beyond that, it's about impacting lives. And so the production side of things helps me reach even more people, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. And part of your message that comes up over and over again, because I listen to your show and I, I, you know, log on to some Facebook live things that you do. And, and I'm going to much like I mess up the title of your show, I'll probably mess up the way you say this. And you said it earlier is you talk about the fact that it doesn't matter where you come from. 
And the truth is, is you, you had some hard knocks along the way. You had some things where you could have stuck your head in the sand and said, life is screwed. Woe is me. And without necessarily going into anything you're not prepared to talk about, you know, let, let's sort of visit why I think you're so successful with that message. Because a lot of people can say, hey, it doesn't matter where you come from. But you went through some things as a kid that most of us go, oh, boy. Yeah. So I, I jokingly say when I speak that if there's if there was a senior superlative for least likely to succeed, that would be me. <laughs> um, you know, I had a 1.7 GPA at a certain time in high school. My mom was in the middle of a 20 year opioid battle. And my dad was in jail. And, and the God's honest truth is I'm sure people looked at me and said, you've got no shot, kid. Like they were probably worried about what would happen to me in my life because they say if your parents an addict, you have a 50 percent chance of becoming an addict. If your parents in jail, you have a 50 percent chance of going to jail. Um, so here I am. I've got a 50% chance of going one way or the other. Um, and it was really about being intentional with my choices um, because I knew that I wasn't going to rest on the laurels of my parents, which a lot of people do that. Um, I knew I wasn't going to college to write what, is, what we say is the American dream of going to college and getting a job. That wasn't happening. Um, and so I had to create my own life. Um, and I had to do that based off of not in spite of, but because of my past. Um, and I believe that our past, no matter what it looks like, and I believe everybody has their own hardships and their own story to tell, um, but we are who we are because of our story. We aren't our story. And that's been the biggest shift for a lot of people when I say that to them, because you have to get out of this victim mind stance of, oh, well, this happened to me, so I should, I should have this handed to me, or this happened to me, so I'm, I'm depressed about it, and so I'm just going to sit on my couch all day and not take action because that's who I'm supposed to be. It's really those hardships are the vehicle for you to do something great with it. And that doesn't mean impact millions of lives. That's just my thing. It could be to impact one life. It could be to impact your own life, but it's giving you the tools you need to kind of put into your life to grow into the person that you need to be. Hence the growth now movement. And look, I'm in that constant state of growth. Like I'm in it now. Like I'm still fighting battles that I, I fought when I was 15, 16 years old. Um, but I'm just, I've just gotten a lot better at it. Uh, and so, you know, through this whole entire process is like life was not easy, but if I didn't have the life that I had, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Well, and it's interesting because in my work, you know, I do this whole whole training class for companies and for employees around, you know, the gap between potential and performance. And I've interviewed hundreds of people and some of the most successful entrepreneurs when I ask them, why do some people get farther across the gap from potential to results? One of the answers that has come up, like it's probably like the number one or number two answer is successful people don't point fingers and blame. And it mm. took me a while to sort of understand that. And I had to ask a lot of follow-up questions to, under, to really get it. But what you just said is exactly what they say. People who are truly successful, a lot of them came out of really bad circumstances. A lot of them got screwed over because they were in a bad business deal or a bad marriage or you know their, their parents were addicted to drugs or in jail or whatever. And the people who are real successful just look at that as, yeah, that's something that happened over there. And they don't say today is, is, is a cause, you know, that doesn't affect me today. They, they don't point fingers and blame. They take ownership of where they're going. And that's sort of your major message. And so it is interesting when I hear you say that, I always think, God, you know, you're saying exactly what the most successful people are saying. You're just phrasing it a little differently. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny. I don't, 
I, I just recently spoke in Orlando and I had these two back-to-back slides. And the first slide was a picture of me in this really big like camping chair and my feet weren't touching the ground. So that's how big the fold-out camping chair was. And I talked about how this is what success feels like. And I was talking to a room full of creatives and people who are trying to live their dream. And I talked about how like you're living your dream now. Just sometimes we don't realize the success that we're in. Um, and so you are yourself and you're going to feel like yourself and the success is going to grow around you. Um, this is what I experienced earlier on with Growth Now Movement as it started to take off. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Nobody should be listening to me. What is happening? Why am I getting played in 100 countries every single week? Why is this a thing? And then people would start to reach out and say all these things. And I and I realized that I'm still this person that went through that whole thing. Yes, there's success around me. There's some financial success. There's some, there's some great successes in my business that I've experienced. There's some amazing friendships that I've experienced. And then the next slide was me. And I go, the good news is as you start to grow even more in your success, and your followers grow and people are paying you for things and all these things. It feels like this. And I went to the next, the next slide and it was me in an even bigger chair. The point where like you could barely even see me in it. Um, and I think also that's a key to the success that I've had is like, I'm still the same guy that I was, you know, before. I just made the right choices and I'm hoping I can help other people along the way. You know, when I look at my event, Growth and Movement Live, which you should have been at, um, but, you know, we had. Sorry, sorry I prioritized family over the, <laughs> the Growth Now Movement. I'll accept it this time, Tom. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, when I, when I look at that event, there were 170 tickets sold. It was a sold out event year one. It was just me. There was no team. People came from 14, 15 states in Canada to attend. Um, it was one of those crazy moments. And I walked out on the stage and I was just like, and so insanely grateful for the fact that anybody even showed up. And then about halfway through the day, I went, wait a second. They're here for themselves. They're not just here to support me. There was something in my message that resonated with what I've been doing over the last three plus years that said, I'm willing to invest in this. They're not investing in me. They're investing in themselves. Um, and it was this ultimate shift, even for myself internally to be like, your mission is doing something, not just for your own ego. It's doing it for the people that are listening. It's doing it for the people that are showing up to your live events. Um, and, it, and it was like this very, very empowering moment of, it gave me the opportunity to say, I have the confidence now that I know I'm going to double this event in size within a year. Um, and I'm going to have 300, my goal is 346 people, random number I know, but that's how many seats are in the bottom, how many seats are in the bottom part of this theater I rented out. Um, but it empowered me to say, let's take this even further and let's impact more lives. And that's really the shift that I'm in with my business right now um, is not going away from being the podcast production guy and the podcast coach guy, but going more into the growth now guy and the business guy, which has been a whole entire shift right now. So I want to talk about this shift because I think it's important, but I also want to back up a step and I want to talk about this yep. uh, this event because I, I was really proud of you. If we go back a year and a half, this was a dream you had because you and I talked about doing an event, but it wasn't really mm -hmm. my dream. So when it never happened, I was like, eh, whatever. And then, you know, two years later, all a year and a half later, you have this event. And I thought, oh, that could have been my event. But, the, <laughs> you know, so the jealousy came out. No, the, the reality was, though, is that you you had this desire to be able to reach your audience in a way. And you and I had four or five phone calls. We talked to a couple of people who were sort of event gurus. And it both of us kind of felt it felt icky, some of the advice mm -hmm. that we got. And that's why it just sort of fizzled. But then a year later, you were running with this idea and you were going to have this event and you were going to do it, you know, in your hometown and you were going to do this stuff. And I just watched it from the sidelines and I watched the ticket sell and I watched what people were saying online. And I was so proud of you because it was so sort of inside of you. And there's a lot of people out there because as podcasters and speakers and coaches, I have a lot of friends 
who try to put on events. I've never attempted to do it because it hasn't been my calling. And second of all, it's hard. And as you know, people can go forward in a few weeks and listen to the episode uh, when you interviewed me. One of the things I admitted is I've spent a lot of my life not doing things that seemed hard. So, you know, it's like, well, that seems hard. I'm not going to do that. But, yeah. you, but you did it. And what's interesting is, is you had for a first year event, one of the most successful first year events I've ever seen one of my friends do. I mean, there's people out there who are like, oh, I sold a million tickets and people <laughs> logged on, you know, and people, you know, Vimmoed me money when I didn't even ask for it. And I made $75 billion off this one event. But the truth is, most people I know who try to event don't sell 170, you know, tickets and, and sell out their first year event in Reading, Pennsylvania. So what was it about the event as an entrepreneur? What did you learn? What was hosting an event as an entrepreneur? What was the, the lesson? Um, I think that the big thing for me is obviously I had the big vision, right? I knew what I wanted it to look like. I mean, I would visualize this day over and over and over again. Part of my daily routine is visualization. Um, but what I realized was it's one step and one ticket at a time. It's never, oh, hey, Justin, mention it on your podcast and then 100 tickets are going to be sold. Like it's really one conversation, one contact, one impact at a time is going to sell those tickets. It's not Facebook ads. It's not Instagram ads. It's not even really kind of what you're doing now. It's about picking up the phone and saying, hey, what are you doing in your life right now? I think you should come to this. Here's why. Um, and then follow up because they still don't buy a ticket. Even when they say they're interested, it's the follow up. Um, but really what I learned most as an entrepreneur and putting together an event is first have the big vision, but then it is literally one step and one, one ticket at a time. Because look, if I just stare, stared at the big event and the big vision I had, I'd be terrified and I'd be frozen and nothing would have happened. I just said to myself, all right, I want to do this thing. What's the first step? I was like, well, let me line up some cool speakers. I'd say my speaker lineup was pretty bonkers for the first year event as well. Um, and I got everybody in line. I was like, okay, cool. They're all on board. Now I'll tell other people. And so I made a big announcement and sold like 15 tickets day one or something like that. Um, because these are kind of people that I've kind of been whispering in their ear about it and they bought a ticket. Um, but then after that, it was really, okay, what's next? What's the next step I can do to sell more tickets? What's the next process, the next step? Um, and you know, I feel blessed that I sold it out, but I also realized that ignorance was bliss. I said, day one, I'm going to sell it out. Like I had a conversation with Chris Kremitzos, the guy who runs Podfest, when I had about 50 tickets sold and I was only a couple months out at the time. Uh, and I was like, yeah, my goal is 150 tickets. And he goes, okay. He's like, you know, it's a first year. He's like, you should be, look, if you get to a hundred, you're going to be doing great. Don't worry about it. If you only get to a hundred um, and, and him and I just had a conversation. He called me over the 4th of July weekend um, and he was like, dude, first of all, congratulations. I've never seen a first event so successful. Um, and he's like, not only that, he's like, um, you can tell you're really passionate about it. And I want to help support you in a way that um, most people can't. And he's going to talk about my event next year at PodFest next year, which has 1,500 wow. people there. That's yeah, that, that, that's awesome. I, so uh, the show that will come out a week and a half from now on Thursday, I interview Colin Gwynn, who is the sort of arguably the founder of the commercial drone industry. He also just won season 31. He and his wife, Christy, just won season 31 of The Amazing Race. Uh, they had been on 15 years ago in season five. And so Colin and Christy are a little bit famous in the reality TV world. Uh, and I had the thrill to interview him and it'll come out in a little over a week. And one of the things he talked about in like how wildly successful. I mean, he helped grow a company from like, you know, 3 million a year to, you know, half a billion in like a, you know, handful of years. And mm -hmm. I said, 
you know, and then the success that they had with the amazing race. And the, he has a new company that's a consulting firm for people who are doing like high end uh, electronics, like electronic surfboards and drones and things like that. And so one, awesome. one of his answers was visualization. And this is something that, you know, maybe I'm a little too corporate a little too square. This is something I've never done a lot of. Can we go back and you, you breezed past it and I don't want to mm-hmm. let that go. You said you visualize every day. Can, can you talk a little more about that? Yeah. So my, actually it's funny because my visualization is a little bit unique. Like a lot of people will almost kind of mix in with their meditation where they're sitting and their eyes are closed and they'll visualize where they want to be, or they'll walk themselves through a scenario that hasn't quite happened. Like a lot of people would say, Oh, you know, Justin, you, inter- you interviewed me today. I visualized it all morning, how I wanted it to go, where I want it to be. Um, for me, it's really about visualizing experiences because I'm not a money driven person. I'm, I'm, driven off of experiences and how I want to live my life and whether that be travel or whatever. Like right now I'm visualizing the comedy that I'm about to do in Austin in a couple of months when I come there. But with that being said, um, I go really deep. I visualize what it feels like, what it sounds like, what I'm going to be saying, when I'm going to be saying it, what it smells like. So when I think about my live event, I'll use that as an example because it's such a big undertaking. Um, I literally visualized how the lights would be set up, how they'd play at certain times, how the speakers were going to be announced, how the videos that announced them were going to think. I had a dance team that danced all the speakers up to the stage. That was part of the visualization. Um, Everything. The only thing at the end of the day when the event took off that wasn't part of, like that wasn't perfect in my head the screens that were used on the stage were smaller than I visualized them in my head. That is the only thing that was different between the layout of the room, the lighting, the sound, all that stuff was perfect to my visualization. And so I will literally, and I, I do it a lot when I'm driving and I'll tell you why in a second, but I do it when I'm driving and I'll walk myself through certain scenarios and I'll key, play it like key, it's real. Key piece of advice. Do not cross in a crosswalk in front of Justin when he's driving. <laughs> I'm visualizing. Now my eyes are open. I'm still aware, but I'm picturing myself in, in that scenario to the point. So I put myself in that situation so much that like sometimes my heart starts to race. Like I literally put myself there. Like I'm living it in that moment. And the reason I do it a lot in my car is because when I visualize, I use audio, I use soundtracks, I use music. Um, and so what people don't realize is when I'm going through my life, I have a soundtrack that I'm playing. Um, so when I'm edit even even when i'm editing like if i'm editing for a client i already i have a soundtrack that i'm playing that i'm like okay th- and it makes it go smoother like it creates like this pacing in my life to know that this is where i'm going to be then and this is the energy that i need to have and i'll literally put a song that matches that energy to that moment does that make sense it it does and and i'm sort of intrigued because i sort of want to to learn to do this and i I'm, I'm sort of you know uh i'm i'm as scared to take this on as you are to do stand up uh when when <laughs> justin when he when he interviewed me i challenged him in front of his own audience uh to get up and do a a stand up set at an open mic night and he agreed to do it on the air so he's going to have to do it and it's it going was, down <laughs> it's going down but but i told his audience it's an audio podcast i can see him on video as we're recording he looked scared shit And, and I said, I said, Oh, you know, you you need to know that uh, we just scared him. But that's the way I feel about sort of like, how would I go about this? So what advice do you have for somebody who's like, all right, I'm intrigued with how you visualize your success. But but what do I do? I don't come from that woo woo of a background. Yeah, so uh, you're probably doing it without even realizing you're doing it now. It's just about doing it more intentional. So like when you go speak somewhere, do you kind of get a feel for the audience and you kind of know 
how you want them to react at certain things that you say and how you're going to deliver certain lines. Now, obviously you're at a point now where you've given the same talk probably 40, 50 times, but go back to when you first did it the first time. When you're literally picturing yourself doing it, that's visualization. Yeah, and I definitely do that before every speaking gig, but I, I haven't thought of it for like the growth of my business. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Like I even I I looked at it and, and I'll kind of give some examples. So I have two cool life scenarios that I visualized without realizing I was even doing it. So one, remember the show Full House? Oh from back course. in like Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. the parent of two, you know, post teenage kids. Yeah. Exactly. So there was an episode, it was Stephanie Tanner's birthday. Um, and this guy named Tommy Page came and sang happy birthday to her. Uh, and, I, and in that episode, I remember being like eight years old watching this. And in that episode, Uncle Jesse was hanging out with Tommy Page. And I thought to myself, that would be so cool to hang out with a pop star and blah, blah, blah. And every time that show would come up, I would get excited about it. And I'd visualize myself hanging out with like pop stars and celebrities and all these things. Um, and I remember being like 16 years old, being like, wow, that'd be so cool. Uh, and start to put myself in those situations. And I would feel it fast forward till I was about 23 or 24 years old. I was at a house party and I looked up and I went, Holy crap, I'm in Tommy page's house. And I became friends with Tommy page, the <laughs> same guy who was in this television show. And I realized me visualizing this had me allowed me to make sure that as I got older, I surrounded myself with people that were driven people that were passionate about what they were doing, that were hardworking. And my best friend, who were all those things, got signed to Warner Brother Records. And the guy who signed him was Tommy Page. And so <laughs> visualization put me in the right place and then put me in the actual moment that I was visualizing. So that's kind of how it works. So it's a little less woo-woo than it seems because it ends up becoming action. Um, you know, my live event was, hey, I, I envisioned the lights and sound. And I went to the light and sound guy. I go, this is how it needs to be. So like you visualize it, you create the experience and then your actions kind of take you to where you want to be. And next year they're going to be told bigger screens, bigger screens. Well, they're, it's already built into the theater. You should see this place. I rented out. It's insane. Awesome. Well, I've got some more questions for you before I let you go. But first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating your content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Justin Shank. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Justin... Here's the thing. You've done all this stuff. You are the podcast guy. Why the shift? Why now? I mean, you had the pod, you had the podcast before you were the podcast guy. Why the shift back now to being, you know, the growth now movement guy? What what's that all about and how does one when they're kind of at the pinnacle of success decide to take a shift? Yeah, um great great question. Uh I think for me when I look at what I've done and, and over the last three years, it started out as a, a, a growth journey for me. It started out as me improving in all areas of my life and then figuring out business and growing a business. And it was just growth, 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 growth. 
just because I've reached a certain position in my, in, with my company and my business now doesn't mean I'm not done growing. And I think naturally the next step is, okay, I've learned a lot about business. I've been in the room with some of the smartest business people on the planet. I understand all the things you need to understand about specific parts of business. And if I don't know it, I have a friend who knows it. Um, and so I think naturally the progression of growth for me is to shift back to the growth now guy and have more business conversations instead of just podcast conversations. Um, and so I think again, going back to, I was, I just started to pay attention. Where are my conversations going with people? What do people want to hear from me more? Um, what's kind of the next iteration of what I'm doing? Because we have to constantly evolve. We have to evolve into the person that we're supposed to be next year. And we start now. Um, and so my conversations have now become more of, Hey, Justin, how have you grown your business 270% in the last calendar year? Well, here's how, right? And so growth now is more about creating the life that you want around the business that you want. Uh, and, and we do that in a number of ways. We do that by growing our income. We, we do that by growing our impact and we do that by growing our relationships. And so the next phase of what I'm doing is there's two things I'm rolling out. One is the growth now mastermind, which I'm going to help a small amount of people really kind of level up. And I'm going to do that by obviously the mastermind group, but then also doing retreats where I bring in incredible people where they can learn from. Like, so part of what I say is, you know, you, you heard Fabio Viviani speak at my event for 45 minutes. Imagine sitting down and learning from him for four hours. This is a guy who runs a, a business that does $280 million a year and he's constantly evolving. Um, you know, and then I'm also rolling out somebody who's not quite ready for that. Cause that's really for a six figure and above entrepreneur. Somebody who's not quite ready for that. I'm rolling out the growth now mentorship program. Um, which is, you know, monthly group calls and, and a couple other things kind of packed in there um, to really kind of take growth now to the next level. But it really all started with kind of how the business started in the beginning was to intuitively listen to what people wanted to learn from me um, and constantly go into that next direction of like, how do I continuously evolve myself so I can evolve my audience? So what's been the hardest part of making this shift or is there a hard part? Um. I think more than anything, it's just under, I think it's, it, for me, it's learning the next phase of what I need to put together. Um, that's kind of the hardest part is like, okay, I've never done this before. Yes, I've been a part of masterminds. Yes, I've been a part of mentorship types of programs, um, but I've never put it together. So it's figuring out the back end X's and O's of how to build a business. I mean, I'm just doing it all over again, essentially. Um, and so that's really been the hardest part. Other than that, it's just been a natural, again, a natural progression where I, I took a podcast client who then became a business client. Um, and so once we, once I started coaching them on business, I was like, okay, naturally this is going to become something a little bit bigger. Um, and again, that's the growth now brand growing along with my live event. That'll be a, an annual yearly thing. Um, but I think more than anything, I think when, as an entrepreneur, when we try and force something, it doesn't work. I am a, a great example of that. I've tried to force business in my previous lifetimes. Um, and it just, I fell flat on my face. Um, but I think when you intuitively listen to the things that are around you, what things are, what people are saying, what they're asking you, what other people are saying, people are saying about you, listen to that stuff. I think that's important. I think that's kind of where your gold is, right? You talk about you as a public speaker, you get a ton of nods as an MC. Therefore, that MC business will probably grow quicker than you, than even your speaking business, which is crazy to think about. Um, so you intuitively listen to those things that people want more of from you and you just give that. And then the, all of a sudden money, money shows up. It's really weird how that works. So what advice do you have for someone who's listening to this, who has stuck around for 30 minutes 
and they're like chomping at the bit. They're like, I, I like what this guy is saying. I want to, I want to follow my dreams. I want to grow. I want to start my own thing. I want to go there. I call, I call the show cool things entrepreneurs do. What advice do you have for someone who wants to go out and do cool things? Yeah. So you probably have a really big vision to do your cool thing. Um, but again, it's about doing. Uh, and so take the first step. Uh, Gary Vee says all the time, reverse engineer on how to get there. So what I always do is I look at my big vision and just like with the live event, I take it all the way back to the, okay, what can I do right now to move closer to that? We live in a world where we want, where we want instant gratification. We want to immediately say, hey, I'm doing this. And then, you know, my, my bank account gets flooded with money and I get clients waiting for me out the door and all these things. That's not the case. First, you have to start taking action. And second, you have to have realistic expectations. Um, and that's what I say with everybody. Like, what's your real goal? Oh, I want to make a million dollars this year. Well, is that even feasible? Or I want to start a podcast. I want to get a million downloads today. Well, let's be more realistic and take a, a slow, methodical approach. It's like that tortoise in the hair thing, right? It's just one step at a time. Yes, the big vision is there to drive you, but a lot of times if we focus too much on that big vision, it will paralyze us and we won't take action. So what can you do today to shift the needle just a tiny bit, 1% up closer to where you need to be and you'll get there. It looks like I grew my business like crazy overnight, but I was doing stuff for two and a half years on a weekly consistently basis before I even got a dime. That's, now, that's something you can fast forward that. That's something I hear all the time is people ask me, they'll say like, wow, you know, I really like your podcast, blah, blah, blah. They go, you're getting some really good, like I got some really big local attention this year. And people are like, you know, that's so great. How did you get that? The, the Austin Technology Council and I partnered. So my first Thursday show of every month, my interview is a member of the Austin Technology Council. And we co-produce wow. that episode together. And then they promote that episode. Well, you know, I'm still doing seven other shows, but that first Thursday of the month, that always spikes because they promote it on social media. They send it out to their membership. And I've had so many local people say, oh, you're so lucky. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that that's how that happened. It was it was total luck. You know, it's <laughs> sure we'll just go with that. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, I again, like you consistently showed up for now almost 500 freaking episodes. I'm at 222 and I need a nap. And, you know, we look at it and I go, I showed up for before my show even started to get downloads. I showed up for I think it was like 75 episodes and all of a sudden it started to take off. And then I showed up for 120 and now all of a sudden there's a business around it. And then, you know what I mean? And so it became this thing where it, you have to show up consistently and it will come, but most people quit before you knock down the wall. Yeah. So you just have to keep going one step at a time. Justin, thank you so much for coming back on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do and, and for having me back on your show. Uh, you're one of these people who I don't get to talk to you enough, but I love this guy and he's really smart and you know, every now and then you think there has to be some higher power because people come into your life that inspire you. And Justin's been one of those people the last couple of years. So thank you for being my friend. Tom, thank you for being my friend. And, and uh, honestly, I'm honored to, to call you a friend and know you. And if I have to pick up the phone and call you, I can. And you, you're more inclined to pick up than me. I'm not a big picker upper of the phone, as you know. Like um, millennial. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> text me. We'll chat through text. But dude, honestly, thank you so much. This has been great. No, thank you. And and thank you to everybody who listens. You know, I, I always talk about the sponsors, but the future of this show can really be sponsored by you. What does that mean? Well, it could be. I've been doing this podcast now for almost five years and a friend encouraged me just the other day, like literally three days ago. So this is the first 
show since uh, to start a Patreon account just to see if some listeners would help support the show. So for as little as $5 a month, you could be in the Cool Kids Club, which is going to include some special quarterly Zoom hangouts. I'm still sort of designing what that's going to mean. Uh, also, other access. Once we get some support, we'll figure out fun ways that everybody can help create this community. But also, there's a way that uh, I've got a really good coaching offer there that other coaches will say, oh, you're not you're not charging enough. Uh, if we get enough people, I'll just charge more. But I've got a really special offer there for people who want to support the show. Uh, and also, you could sponsor a single episode for 25 bucks. Uh, if you do it through Patreon, we'll, uh, we'll talk about you on an episode. So check out that Patreon account at patreon.com slash cool things podcast. Uh, and I am sitting here visualizing the fact that someone is going to go and, and support this show on Patreon. So I'm, I'm taking your advice, Justin. I'm seeing it. I smell that first $5 <laughs> a month. So uh, thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. And I say it every single time. If it wasn't for the audience... Why would we even have a show? Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Justin Shank. And you're thinking, how is that possible? Well, actually, Thursday's show is Justin said he recommended that I start interviewing comics. Well, guess what? Thursday, there's an interview with Rick Roberts. So you want to turn it, tune in and hear Thursday's show where we're going to talk about the comedy industry from somebody who for 30 years has made his living solely as a stand-up comic. And then we're going to be back the following week and every week after that with two shows. So in the meantime, go out there, try something new. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.